Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, aka MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week, we're going over UFC 247 going down in Houston, headlined by two title fights. We got John Jones against Dominic Reyes in the main event, and in the Coleman event, we got the women's 125 GOAT, Valentina Shevchenko, coming in as a minus 1,000 favorite against challenger Caitlin Chukagin, who presents an interesting threat to her, but I'm not sure how catastrophic or significant that threat actually is so we'll get into that a little bit later in the card however um we had a week off it feels weird you know every time i take a a week off or whatever the hell it is it just feels like i've never done this before and i gotta break right back into the mold but we got eight straight weeks of events coming up so i'm excited for that maybe i once i dust off the the rust this week i'll get back into my groove next week we're supposed to be at Big Rob's place today, uh, since it's a pay-per-view event, and also have a guest. However, none of those things are happening today. Um, conflict schedules with my man, Big Rob, but uh, we're right back at it. Regardless, I can still bring you guys the content. And this is the first uh, event in a while where I'm going to be going over the entire card uh, and not just give you guys quick picks for the prelims. So I know most of you guys are excited for that. And one of the last John Jones cards I called, uh, I think it was the Anthony Smith one, now that I'm thinking about it hit pretty much every single pick on that so maybe john jones is good luck for me and we can uh try to get some more w's here uh, with another john jones card so let's talk about the last event real quick three straight loss uh three losses on that uh card uh including the lock of the night play which was half yaldo senior so i had four units at minus 242 the only reason i didn't go the full five units is kind of what played out uh in this fight with michael chiesa you know everybody knew he was bigger i knew he was bigger i just think that a lot of people were putting too much stock into that um but he was still able to overwhelm Rafael dos años dos años wasn't able to escape those positions as i thought he would uh you know in the second round and moving forward from there you know i thought chiesa his best chance was to win the first round uh maybe get a little bit of the second round and you know lose the third round however he dominated from bell to bell um you know kudos to him he's real day at 170 uh, i won't doubt him that much but if they do give him that Colby Covington fight, I'm unloading the house on Colby Covington. I'm just saying that. Kiesa's jiu-jitsu is awesome. He might be strong, but Colby Covington's pace and wrestling is going to be too much for him. Um, but I highly doubt they even booked that. I think we're going to get Colby waiting out to the end of the year and probably getting the winner of uh, Kamar Usman and Masvidal, and that's all I'll be frank here. It's probably going to be Kamar Usman, so we'll get that rematch there. But uh, So that was the lock that I play. My dog of the night play actually had, yeah, I had one dog of the night play, which is 1.3 units at plus 136 on Lena Landsberg. Expected that fight to play a little bit out in the clinch positions uh, a little bit more before Sarah McMahon was actually able to get to the get the fight to the ground. Uh, there was no transition period. There was no clinch period, pretty much. Sarah McMahon, every, pretty much every shot that she threw, uh, she shot, uh, she was able to get Lena Landsberg down, and it was pretty easy for her too. You know, there was no stalemate uh, positions in terms of Lena Landsberg even trying to use a little bit of takedown defense. I thought that's where she would do most of her damage, you know, with her elbows, her knees. She has a nasty Muay Thai game. Sarah McMahon shut that shit down, got her down, and rolled her out all three rounds. Good for her, you know, decent underdog play in my opinion at plus 136, considering what we've seen recently, as well as the fact that Sarah McMahon was coming off such an extended layoff, just gave birth, and had a pretty nasty injury as well. So I was willing to take those odds against Alina Landsberg, who's looked great in her last couple of fights. Uh, and then lastly, we had a, a 1.7 unit play. I had 1.4 units at minus 102, and then 0.3 units at plus 110 on Jamal Hill versus Darko Stosis to go under two and a half rounds. I was very happy with the fact that we got the under two and a half. As you guys have been noticing, if you guys have been following me for a while now, that I'm leaning more towards playing the unders rather than the fight doesn't go to decisions. I'm trying to play 
bets that are more uh, tailable. You know, I'm not saying that I'm the most tailable capper at this moment, but I want to be able to play straights and totals. That's what's most vi- widely available. And uh, I want to be able to, you know, cater to those people as well uh, that may not have access to fight doesn't go decision lines. And, you know, the two and a half minutes sometimes does make a difference uh, in terms of playing the under two and a half compared to the fight doesn't go to decision. Uh, and you get slightly better odds as well. So, um, I try to be careful with those ones. Uh, but either way, anybody can tell them since it's just a total or a straight. Um, so yeah, that ended minus seven units. That one kind of stung, uh, especially after having two or three straight profitable events, especially coming off of UFC 246, which is, you know, everything hit except a 1.2 unit stab on Tim Elliott at plus 128. So I was happy with that event. Uh, stumbled a bit here with Raleigh uh, and we got uh, UFC 247 coming up next. Before I get into that card, there is a uh, an Invicta, I believe it's Invicta FC 39, that's going to be going down as well. I'm going to be running the tape for that later this week and maybe put out a bet for that if it comes out. I know it's on BetSafe, uh, but if it comes out on Sportbed or Five Dimes or, or Pinnacle or anything that I'm able to get access to, I may make a play on that. I want And I want to release a quick like Lock of the Night Minute or at least a Lock of the Night Minute type style video uh, breaking down a fight on that card as well. So make sure you guys look out for that later this week. However... UFC 247 was what you got. What the hell you guys are here for? So let's get into that card. Overall, you know, I think it's a pretty weak card. You know, 246 got a a lot of slack. Um, But I think 247 is a little bit more, you know, iffy. You know, Justin Taffa against Juan Adams, that's like the Alexei Olenek and Maurice Green heavyweight fight that was on the card last pay-per-view weird you know Ige versus Bektik is a great fight Derek Lewis versus Latifi you know Lewis is pretty much getting fed a bone here uh you know is he lock worthy I don't know let's see later in this episode but I do believe that um you know this was more so a bone for him to chew uh in his home state his home I believe it's his hometown I think he's from Houston if I'm not mistaken he's always screaming out H-Town ho (laughs) um so yeah he gets a little Latifi who hasn't fought a heavyweight in a long time. And he's already an undersized light heavyweight. This guy's just a bulk of a man. So it's going to be interesting to see how Latifi is able to translate that into the heavyweight division. Uh, and then other, you know, fun fights on the, you know, Austin Lingo against Yosef Zalal. Um, you know, two guys that were put together uh, pretty much a week ago, two weeks ago, just to fill out the card a little bit more because it took so much damage. Uh, that should be a fun fight. Two guys that kind of want to prove themselves and have some fun styles. And then we have Andrea Lee versus Lauren Murphy. I'm more so excited to see Andrea Lee. I want to see how she bounces back from the Joanne Calderwood fight. Um, and I think this is a good spot for her to do that. So let's get into the card. You know what I mean, let's let's get into the card. I know you guys are excited the fact that I'm going to be going over every single fight again. Um you know, the Patreon thing still kick in. I got a lot of cool things that I have actually planned for that still. Not able to dedicate as much time there as, I, as I initially wanted to to it, but I still think that I'm able to give you guys enough content for five bucks a month on the Patreon uh, to to suffice that price. And I'm going to be uh, dropping that information later this week in terms of what I'm going to be doing uh, for the Patreon. But anyway, let's get into UFC 247. This is uh, the first fight of the night, Austin Lingo against Yusuf Zalal. This is a fight that, again, I said right off the top, they pretty much put a, put this fight on the card to fill it out. You know, we had um, a bunch of fights pull out. Alex Morono lost his opponent. He did eventually get a replacement. Uh, I believe Jimmy Rivera versus Marlon Vera was on this fight, uh, on this card as well. We lost that one. That would have been a good one. I think Ovin Pru was actually supposed to fight Ryan Spann on this card as well. They lost that one too. Um, and we all obviously found out due to the, the you saw the drug testing thing that came out with the OSP. However... 
he's still cleared to fight, so I'm not sure what exactly happened there. <clears throat> Voice was getting a little cracky there. Anyway, let's get into it. Yusuf Zalal, kind of a an orthodox fighter. He has a, uh, a very long frame for the division. Uh, likes to use his kicks. He likes to get wild a little bit. Uh, but the one thing that I've noticed in his fights pretty much every fight that he has won he's finished every fight that he's lost he's been dragged to a decision in those two fights that he got dragged to a decision those guys came with more so of a grappling heavy approach mariscal uh jose mariscal was a great uh wrestler he was able to have success with taking uh Zalal down there's a lot of people saying that Zalal probably won that fight i think mariscal won uh you know it's it's an lfa fight i'm not gonna get my panties in a bunch or anything about it but he lost the next fight as well against matt jones that was a split decision matt jones just tried to clinch him as much as possible but when he gets fighters like steven morrell and jamie hernandez in front of him he's able to like loose a little bit more and then you know have a flashy finish like a flying knee and also get a dark stroke finish in that fight against merrill as well but with austin lingo he's getting a guy that's probably going to be slinging leather with him as well Austin Lingo's had a lot of success get finishing guys within the first round. Uh, he's only gone to a decision twice. Haven't been able to fight uh, to find film on the Phil, Phil Gonzalez fight, which is one of the fights they went to a decision with. And then the Charles Williams fight. That fight primarily took place on the feet. Uh, there was swinging a lot of leather. It was his first pro fight, so maybe I'm thinking he's getting, he was a little bit, uh, you know, pro shy in terms of his amateur record he only had four fights and his last fight that he had before that was actually to the guy that he had his pro debut against charles williams uh knocked him out in 18 seconds so maybe he was a little bit gun shy in terms of not actually you know fully committing himself to trying to knock out charles and i did watch that fight that was a great fight and and he did land a lot of good shots and charles showed off a really good really good chin but lingo's uh forward movement and his aggression really makes me think that this fight with Zalal is going to be very impressive or very fun uh very entertaining to watch as well so it's going to be Zalal trying to keep the range and land his kicks whereas Lingo's going to try to close the distance and try to get um you know uh get some heavy bombs off and, and get on the inside I'm not too thrilled to want to bet a side here especially with the odds being what they are let me pull that up real quick minus 210 for Austin Lingo minus or plus 175 for Zalal these guys aren't, you know, I still think they're relatively green. They have a lot of holes in their games, but luckily for them, they're fighting guys that probably will allow them to show them their best selves. You know, again, both guys are pretty forward uh, forward moving. Yusuf would want to keep the range a little bit more. I don't think he's going to be too successful in keeping that. And I think the play here is actually going to be the under. Um, on the Tuesday of recording this podcast, they don't actually have the over-under out. However, um, I think they would set it at two and a half and i think that uh so the odds here on sport bet or sorry at least on five dimes in terms of fight goes uh fight won't go uh over two and a half but they have a weirdly it's weird how they have it actually right now it says fight won't go 230 round three um which pretty much means under two and a half why they don't have it listed like that i have no idea but no other website has really released their unders or overs yet uh at the time of this recording but at minus 135 under two and a half i'm willing to bite there i think that there's a lot of um you know with the ingredients that these guys bring i think there's a lot of chances that we could have a lot of gunslinging moments a lot of guys a lot of times where they're trading in the pocket zalal comes in for a counter um and uh lingo catches him with a hook or something like that i think both guys have the ability to finish and it shows off you know both of them have only gone to a decision twice uh zalal's had nine fights lingo's got had seven fights you know 
out of 16 fights, four of them have gone to decision. I like my odds there, uh, especially with the styles that they bring. And they're not fighting guys that are clinch heavy or 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 wrestle heavy. You know, they they want to swing swing leather here. So I really like the under here. So I'm not even going to bother with the with you know, um, you know, taking the dog shot at plus 175 on Zalal. I like the safer bet here, which is the under, and it might be an actual bet for me as well. I might even go a little bit hard on it. I want to see where Pinnacle drops that line out as well, and it could possibly be a lock of the night play. You know. The last time two guys made their debuts and and didn't allow the under to hit, even though they had such an aggressive style leading up to that fight, was Antonio Hoyo, who's fighting later on in this card, and and Andre Munoz. I knew that burned me in the past, but I can't, I like what I'm seeing here from both guys, especially with the fact that both of them have the same type of finishing ability on the feet. I think if anybody's going to get a submission, it's Zalal, but. Um, I think it's going to take place mainly on the feet. Uh, and if there are any scrambles, you know, look out for Zalal's chokes. Has a dark choke finish on his record as well. Um, entertaining guys, maybe not suited for the UFC yet, but should still give us a fun fight to kick off the UFC 247 card. So again, under two and a half is my pick there. In terms of picking a side, uh, I'm going to go Zalal, um, you know, Again, both guys could definitely have a lot to improve on. Uh, all right, so as long as the pick, bet's probably going to be the under. That's that. Next up, we got Andre Ewell against Jonathan Martinez. This is a fight where I'm kind of looking at the dog as well. Uh, Jonathan Martinez very uh, brings a very interesting style here. In his last fight against Ping Yuan Liu, you know, he wasn't having that much success. He was just lingering. He probably was losing up to that third, uh, up to that third round against uh, Ping Yuan, uh, and then he lands a beautiful knee. He's flashing that knee throughout the entire fight, which is very interesting. You know, he has that long frame where he, you know, if he throws that knee up, it's going to be interesting and and could cause some problems for his opponents, as it did for Liu. Uh, with Andre Ewell, I think he's going to have the speed advantage here. He might have the hand speed, obviously here. Um, slightly better striking. Uh, might be able to hold the range well but the one thing that i've noticed in his past fights is that he has a lot of trouble with guys who kick a lot you know um nathaniel wood was one of them that was able to kick a lot uh marlon vera was another guy that got to kick a lot but one thing that both of those fighters were able to implement was also a forward pressure and not allowing andre yule to really breathe and that's kind of what broke him you know throughout those fights you know the anderson dos santos fight that fight was a little gritty dos santos hit some really good takedowns in there and was able to hold down yule uh for a little bit and then yule was able to get back up and dish out more damage on the feet the only issue in that fight compared to the other two fights is the fact that anderson dos santos didn't really throw any kicks you know he's mainly throwing you know a couple kicks but it wasn't anything as consistent as wood and vera was and i think that martinez has the ability to do that too we see him throw beautiful body kicks and i think he has the wherewithal to you know see that that's worked in the past uh and he's able to implement it himself too and if he wants to take a takedown heavy approach too i think he could have some success holding andre ewell down I think we've seen a little bit of, bit of improvement with Iowa's ability to get off the ground, just as he did in the Anderson Dos Santos fight. But the ease into which Dos Santos was able to make his transitions in that fight leads me to think that Jonathan Martinez would be able to have some similar success too. He may, you know, get shucked off a couple times, but I think that there's more chances of him shutting down Iowa's, you know, forward pressure game with those kicks, body kicks, beautiful body kicks. Um, and then if he wants to mix in those takedowns to get Andre Yule thinking, it could be his fight. I, I think it's going to be a tough, gritty fight. I, I like the dog price on uh, Jonathan Martinez. He's pretty much at even now, plus 105 at Pinnacle. Um, you know, I may have missed out on the best line on him if I'm actually going to take the shot. But I want to see where that line goes over the next couple of days. And I really like him in this spot. <clears throat> 
Haven't been the most impressed with Ewell outside his fight against the ghost of Henan Burrell, but that was just strictly due to his hand speed. His, his one-two from the southpaw position is very uh, effective, but Jonathan Martinez is another southpaw going up against him too, so maybe it might not be as easy for him to get those shots off as it was against guys that you know don't primarily have a southpaw stance. So I'm going to pick uh, Jonathan Martinez here probably by decision. Um, again, mixing the takedowns. As long as he continues to throw his kicks and he throws them often, he's going to get Ewell hesitant and he won't allow Ewell to get that one-two off. He's going to get hit. That's without a doubt, but he's going to have to bite through, uh, you know, fight through that, implement those kicks, establish those kicks early, and then he could be, uh, you know, take this fight away from Ewell the longer it goes and start to mix in those takedowns as well. So I got Jonathan Martinez by decision and I think he's worth a shot at plus money. I'm going to wait it out a little bit to see if, you know, people start drinking the Andre Ewell Kool-Aid again and see if we can get a better price on Jonathan Martinez. All right, next up, let's go with uh, Domingo Pilarte versus uh, Journey Newson. <clears throat> All right, this should be a fun fight. Um, you know, if you guys have been following me for a while, you guys saw that I did actually have Domingo Pilarte in a lock of the night play last time around. Because I was impressed with the guy. You know, he showed a lot of resilience in his contender series fight. Um, and then, you know, was able to come back and, and get the finish in that fight. You're, you know, very strong, heavy uh, wrestling game. Decent jiu-jitsu. Uh, but in a guy in Journey Newsom, this fight's going to be pretty even. Uh, and currently, considering the fact that the, the odds are minus 130 to plus 110 for Domingo Polarte as the favorite, you got to think the value is currently on Journey Newsom. Newsom, brown belt. Amazing jiu-jitsu, very strong himself as well, uh, very good wrestling game himself as well. I think Pilarte is the better wrestler overall, but I think that Newsom might have the better grappling here. So it's going to come down to who's able to establish the grappling. You know, there's been plenty of times where we've had wrestler go up against wrestler or grappler go up against grappler and they just strictly strike it. You know, they, they just go go for a striking battle. And I think that Pilarte holds a little bit more power in his hands. Um I can't say who exactly is better on the feet, but I see them kind of trying to... I could see this actually playing out as more so as a grappling match than a striking match now that I'm thinking about it. And I think that Newsom might be able to get the better of the exchanges. We saw that Pilarte had a lot of issues with Felipe Caleras last time around, and you could chalk that up to either, you know... Uh, ring rust uh, it was a long time since he had last fought since he got the contract off the contender series uh, but then when Newsom in his fight against Ricardo Ramos as well he had some decent moments in there um, you know held his own was able to to um, to to fend Ricardo Ramos off his back you know pretty much when the first minute or two of the of the actual fight uh, and then still make it to a decision with uh, Ricardo Ramos and after eating a lot of heavy shots too uh, Ramos landed a lot of uh, spinning back uh, elbows in that too uh, there's one that was like this close if he was just like a half inch closer to Newsom he would be able to actually uh, knock him out there but um you know, Newsom again came in on super show notice against Ricardo Ramos pretty much a week in advance uh, and then Polarity with his ring rust it's going to be interesting to see where these guys actually show up and what kind of headspace they're in uh, coming into this second fight in the UFC for both of them. Uh, so just sitting on the sidelines, I'm happier on the bench here. I don't really want to bet a side here. If you are kind of forcing yourself to make a bet, I think Junior, Junior ugh, Journey Newsom is the way to go since, she, since he has the dog money. Um, and I think I'm going to go that way too. I'm going to pick another dog here. I'm going to go with Journey Newsom. Um, I think that, uh, you know, his jiu-jitsu is really going to come in handy here. Um, 
yeah, I'm going to go with Newsom. Next up, we got Miles John against Miles Johns against Mario Bautista. Three straight fights, three straight super closely odds. Super close odds. Super, super close. We got minus 140 for Miles Johns. We got plus 120 for Mario Bautista. Very excited for this fight because I like the dog here a little bit too. Uh, price is slightly getting better. Plus one twenty three at Sportbet, which is a site that I'm at, that I have access to. But let's start off with Miles Johns. We're talking about a wrestling centric uh, fighter. He has that that mold that I talked about this for years now. As long as you've been watching this podcast, excuse me, you will know when I'm talking about these wrestlers. I'm talking about the guys that you know wrestling heavy but then they blitz with these hooks and and with miles johns i'll give it to him a little bit i think he has really good explosive uh you know forward movements when he's actually trying to close the distance with his hooks and he holds a lot of power in his hands too he's able to really hurt these guys and and put them on queer street he hurt richie santiago a lot of times uh cole smith he landed a lot of big shots on he wasn't able to finish either guy but i think that uh with mario batista we've seen him get rocked in the past and dropped before and if miles johns lands cleanly enough on him he should be able to get the uh to get to get a knockout or even get a finish um the the difference here though is going to be uh the the leg length that's that's weird to say so Maz Johns is 57 Mario Bautista is 59 69 inches to 68 inches but i think that uh we're still going to see a little bit of a size difference and the fact that um that Mario Bautista will be able to use his kicks really attack the body of Maz Johns and make make him work in Maz Johns might be able to get him down in the first round but I think that he's going to have a hard time keeping him down. We haven't seen him have too much success actually keeping guys down. And with Bautista continuously getting up and, you know, he's not the easiest guy to hold down. Um, you know, he did get taken down a couple of times by Jin Sun, but he was right back up. Um, his cardio is on point. And that's kind of a, a worry about Miles Johns as well, is the fact that this guy is not able to really push the pace and keep the pace for 15 minutes. And yeah, you know, the fight that he had against Cole Smith, he seemed like the fresher fighter out of the two. But I think that Mario Bautista is going to push a little bit better of a pace and do more damage on Miles Johns to make it more of a difference. And I could see him pulling away with the fight later, uh, probably in the, you know, probably when over one and a half um you know it's going to come down to as long as Bautista gets out of that first round he should be able to, to outpoint and stay away from the grappling enough and and make Miles Johns pay on those grappling mistakes uh to win the second and third round so I like the dog here again another dog play for you guys is Mario Bautista personally I'm going to be choosing between Jonathan Martinez and uh, Miles Johns, at least as a dog. There might be another dog that I I see later in the card, uh, but those are definitely one of the two that I'm really looking to pick. Uh, you know, odds-wise, Bautista has a slightly better price, but I'm going to see where the line moves as this week progresses. So I'm going to take uh, Mario Bautista by, uh, by decision, but I could potentially see a late finish for him as well due to Miles Johns' questionable gas tank at times. Next up, we got Alex Morono versus Callan Williams. The odds are minus one, minus 270 for Alex Morono, plus 230 for Callan Williams. Let's start off with UFC newcomer Callan Williams here. He's coming off a victory over Jeremy Holloway last time around. He went to a decision in that fight, but it looked it looked a little bit sketchy for him for a second. His, his blitzing style and striking is a little bit suspect in my opinion i've never seen somebody windmill as much as this guy and a lot of people are saying he has a lot of power in his hands and i believe them i get it he, he seems like a guy that has a lot of power in his hands but somebody with crisp striking is going to be able to put this guy on his butt land straight right on the button and just absolutely knock him out 
Do I think that Alex Morona is that guy? Probably not. Alex Morona himself throws baseball overhand hooks. It's insane. He throws everything into those hooks, thinking he's, he's going to knock everybody out. So I think this is a, a fight kind of made for the fight doesn't go to decision as well, or even the under. Let's see if uh, what those odds are currently at. This, these odds literally dropped right before I started recording this podcast. Fight doesn't go to decision is plus 110, and the under 2.5, they're weirdly worded. Under 2.5 is plus 140. So might be a decent dog violence bet there considering how much these guys swing um you know kellen williams uh somebody that was talking to they kind of uh related him to Derek brunson which i thought was hilarious uh you know i kind of see it they they just just the way they wing their hooks and and their their punches and and try to land that home run punch pretty much every single time i kind of get it and decent wrestling he's very powerful it looks like too but i think he's going to have a little bit of jiu-jitsu issues here against alex morono who's pretty good off of his back in my opinion uh, especially with a guy who kind of seems green. He's 9-1. His only loss is to a guy named Dan Yos. Never heard of that guy before. Uh, I, I have heard of Tony Hervey, who was 17-19 and 19 when he went into him. But that was a very re- respectable journeyman on the Michigan and, and uh, Ontario scene for a long time. Worked a lot of events with him on it as well. But uh, the fact that he was able to beat him, kind of impressed. I won't lie. Um, but... With Alex Morona, I don't know if this is the guy that you want to be betting at minus 270 considering how wild he is as well. But I think that, uh, you know, the, the fight doesn't go to decision. Decision is probably the most interesting bet here. Plus 140, uh, if they actually released under two and a half at that price, I might take a little bit of a stab just based on their their their, their styles. Just like the Lingo and Zalal fight, I think this fight has a good chance of going under two and a half somebody's going to get knocked out or or I could see Alex Morono, uh, you know, hurting Callan and then uh, finishing him late as well. So that's why I would take the two and a half and not the one and a half. If they drop it at one and a half, I don't think they will considering how many decisions these guys have gone to. But again, once you put these guys together and with their skills, I think we see a, a finish here. Uh, in terms of who I think wins, I'm going to say Williams. I think he gets a little bit too wild. Uh, you know, Morona might be able to catch him first, maybe even get a takedown and then work his jiu-jitsu. Uh, but I think that uh, we get Morono. I'm going to take Morono by sub probably uh, mid-second round. All right, next up we got Andrea Lee versus Lauren Murphy. Odds on this currently at minus 340 for Andrea Lee, plus 280 for um, Lauren Murphy. When this fight initially got announced, I was thinking Andrea Lee, lock of the night bet, no-brainer. However, minus 340 is not a price I'm willing to pay, um, which is why I am possibly considering her uh, as a parlay piece for uh, uh, with another fight later in this card as my potential lock of the night play. I'll let you guys know what the second leg of that once I get to that fight. Uh, but I think that her speed, her overall game is just a lot better than Lauren Murphy. You know, Lauren, Lauren Murphy was able to have success against Mar- Mara Romero Barella in her last fight. Uh, you know, landed a brutal knee after rocking her with the beautiful uppercut uh, in the third round and then just following up and finishing her. But the whole, pretty much the whole fight, we saw a lot of success. Well, I'd say the first round, we saw a lot of success, success with Romero where she was able to be quicker, uh, you know, outstriking uh, Murphy, moving very well. But then in the second round, she got caught up against the cage and Murphy was able to outmuscle her. I think that we've seen the progression of uh, Andrea Lee's grappling game and she had some, you know, some unfortunate uh, luck with John Calderwood last time around in a fight where I don't know how many people would actually say you would seek uh, John Calderwood going for a takedown. Um, 
and being successful with it, especially with Andrea Lee just coming off that fight with Montana De La Rosa, who in my opinion is probably like top three, top four grapplers in that division. And, you know, she did get taken down once, but she was able to get back up. And then she was able to stuff all the takedowns after that against Montana De La Rosa. I thought she had she was going to have no issues with the grappling if Joanne Calderwood even attempted to take the fight there. Maybe it just caught Andrea Lee off of uh, off guard. Uh, so Lee, you know, loses a split decision in her last fight against Joanne Calderwood. I think this is a great fight against Lauren Murphy, where she's going to be the quicker fighter, the better striker, um, probably the better wrestling here too. Um, you know, Murphy does look like she has a strong physical build, but I think that Andrea Lee is quite strong as well, too. You know, she was holding her own against Del Rosso, who's a quite strong, uh, you know, woman herself. So I like Andrea Lee here. Um, I think that she, you know, outstrike Lauren Murphy, take it to the ground if she needs to. Um, I think if she does get caught up against the fence, she, she'll have a decent, decent enough chance to be able to, you know, get the over-unders reverse position maybe implement her own takedown at that point or break away and and use the striking i think her best road to victory here would probably be the striking you know constant movement uh you know just being the quicker fighter getting in and out three four shots ending off with a leg kick best thing for her best path path to victory i understand why she's minus 340 considering the the perception that everybody has of both of these fighters but i think that andrea lee uh you know deserves that minus 340 but i'm not willing to bet it straight uh but i think there is something else later on the card that i would be willing to parlay it with to get better odds but i like uh andrea lee here to win by decision over a very tough and durable lauren murphy next up we got trevin gauss against antonio hoyo don't want to get too much into this in terms of like the technicalities of it you know Antonio Ohio really disappointed me last time around very good striker in his tough contender series fight uh was it yeah it was the contender series why I call it the tough dummy uh the contender series fight that he had um very uh very kick heavy you know he 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 throws kicks to the body with relative ease uh with a lot of power as well um, and I think, you know, th- that's going to be big, big for him moving on. Uh, he is very big for this act- division as well, 6'2", 73.5-inch reach, whereas Trevin Gauz, I believe, is 6'4", 74-inch reach, slightly taller, uh, very big dude, um, good striking. Trevin Gauz, you know, kind of falling flat on his face after suffering two straight losses to Zach Cummings and Gerald Mearshart. Um, both guys need this win. I think this is kind of a, both guys are on the chopping block, even though that Ohio has only lost one fight. Um, there was, oh yeah, I wanted to check out the odds for this real quick. Uh, minus 130, Trevin Giles, plus 110, Antonio Ohio. I think you got to go dog here. Maybe even the fight doesn't go to decision, minus 140. What's the under, under two and a half is minus 115, under one and a half is plus 165. This is possibly another violence bet. I don't feel comfortable betting either side, but if you're going to give me plus money on Antonio Ohio, considering you know how Giles has looked as of late as well, uh, I'm, I'm going to take that on Ohio. The only thing you need to be worried about with Ohio here is kind of his gas tank. You know, he really shit the bed when he wasn't able to get the finish over uh, Andre Munoz last time around, and then he was able to get out grapple there. Um, you know, I see this being a, a relatively quickish fight, maybe two and a half or maybe two rounds, under two and a half rounds. Uh, but I like. Uh, Ohio here, um, and then we see Trevin Giles exit the UFC. Not as keen on betting the under here as I am the Morona and Williams fight, uh, but still something to consider. And with it being at plus money, why not? Uh, but in terms of betting on this fight, I'm probably going to stay away with it. And if you really, really want to bet on it for some degenerate goddamn reason, uh, go with the under two and a half if they release it at that number. 
All right, that brings us to our main card, Derek Lewis versus Lear Latifi. Uh, this is a fun fight uh, with Derek Lewis and Latifi because we know it's just meant to be chaos. Let's be honest. Derek Lewis fighting in his hometown, H-Town, Ho, um, you know, trying to string together two wins after he had that victory over Blagoy Ivanov. Split decision. It was actually one of the first deciding splits episodes that we did. Had a lot of fun with that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, it's it's tough to see how Latifi wins this, but it's also tough to justify betting Derek Lewis at minus 245. You know, we've seen his back give out on him. We've seen him, you know, just completely Homer Simpson it and then eventually get that late KO. But, you know, can you really always bank on that? Like, I don't know how you can comfortably say that you can trust your money on Derek Lewis. And I've ragged on him in the past and, and I have bet on him in the past. I've bet against him in the past and he's proven me wrong. But I just don't feel I just don't feel like the money sits right with Derek Lewis. He just he he doesn't really have the skill. He just has the brute strength and and will and and, and heart. It's insane. It's immeasurable what this guy brings to the table. But on any given night, any guy could go out there and out wrestle him. Any guy could you know go out there and give him a fight of his life. Um, is Laird Latifi that guy? Probably not. You know Latifi's giving up a lot of size here. Um, we've seen Derek Lewis be held down by fighters in the past, but then when he really says fuck it and just really wants to get up, uses absolutely no technique, just turns over, gets up, gets his ass back up, and there's nothing that the 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 grapple the, his opponent can do about it. And I don't see, you know, Latifi obviously has a wrestling advantage in this fight. In my opinion, he might be successful in getting Derek Lewis down. Is he going to keep Derek Lewis down, or is he going to be able to choke out, or is he going to finish Derek Lewis? Maybe not. Maybe he catches him in an arm, in an arm triangle choke. That's a possibility, but I'm not comfortable betting either side here. <laughs> you know, Derek Lewis can easily easily land a, a shot on near Latifi and just put him out. You know, Latifi has had some chin issues as of late, and Derek Lewis is probably the second heaviest puncher behind Francis Ngannou in this division. So it's hard for me to see to to, to just to justify a bet on. Uh, Alir Latifi, give me plus 215 and I'll think about it, but plus 205, uh, I'd be more comfortable with betting the under one and a half, but this could be an easy, um, it's minus 115 or would be minus 115. Yeah, just another stay away fight for me. See a lot of people parlaying Derek Lewis, be careful. See a lot of other people betting heavy and parlaying another heavyweight later on in this main card, let's be careful. That's all I'm going to say. Next up, we got Dan Ige versus Mursad Bektik. This is a fight that I'm very excited for because I think that both guys, you know, well, they, they kind of have different trajectories, if we're being honest. Dan Ige is riding a four-fight winning streak over Mike Santiago, Jordan Griffin, Danny Henry, and Kevin Aguilar. He has not looked better either. You know, he, he keeps improving in every single fight, but there are some uh, holes that I believe are still lingering in his game. Uh, and I think that Mursad Bektik, considering the trajectory of both of their careers at this moment, is being ex- highly undervalued here. A lot of people are overlooking him just due to the fact that he's lost to Josh Emmett. He's 2-2 two and two in his last four. A lot of people are thinking that he'd probably probably be fighting for a title at this point in time. However, he just keeps suffering setbacks. The Darren Elkins fight, we all know the thing there in terms of get, completely gassing out, trying to finish Elkins earlier in the fight, and then he gets finished himself. And then in the, in the Josh Emmett fight, you know, Emmett lands a perfect jab, perfectly timed. The momentum of Mursad Bektik trying to close the distance and... You know, the pop that Josh Emmett was able to land with that with that jab and floor Mursad um, Bektik. You know, it took a lot of other shots for Bektik to finally get put away. Uh, so I'm not completely sold on the narrative that Mursad Bektik is chinny as fuck just because he got dropped by a perfectly timed jab. You know, 
you you can't read too much into that. Uh, you know the, the the Darren Elkins fight completely gassed. You know that that obviously led to the to the to the finish there, and then the Josh Emmett one again perfectly placed uh, uppercut, uh, and he was able to get the finish there. Um, I think this is a perfect fight for Bektik. If I'm not, you know, if I'm if I'm being honest, we we have a, a ground and pound finish for my um, Danny Gay against Mike Santiago, and then a rear naked choke against Danny Henry. You know he's not the biggest knockout threat. Um, I think that Mursad Bektik will be able to you know stay away from the power shots, but still be able to to out grapple Danny Ige here. Ige has good jujitsu, but I think it's not on the level of uh, Mursad Bektik's grappling game. Uh, he's going Bektik is obviously going to be the more athletic, the more powerful uh, fighter in there. Uh, moves better in my opinion as well, and I think it's just a case of you know again. Mursad Bactic seems like he's on the way down. Danny Ige seems like he's on the way up. And I think the odds are reflecting this. And this is going to be recency bias put to the test. Let's be honest. Um, so I, I like the value that we're going to be getting on uh, Mursad Bactic here. And he'll more than likely be a bet for me too. Um, minus 129 on Pinnacle currently for me. Uh, I'm going to see, you know, I, I still think people are going to be buying in on the Danny Ige hype. I'll wait a couple more days and see if I can get a better line on Mursad Bektik. But I'd be willing to put at least 1.5 to 1.8-ish units on Mursad Bektik. Um, maybe two. We'll see. I want to see how I'm able to, you know, risk manage uh, the rest of the night uh, before I go too deep on uh, Mursad Bektik. Lock of the night deep? No. Like, I will give a little bit of... Uh, you know, I'll try to be a little bit safer and go no more than two units on Bektik. But I think that uh, this is a perfect spot to hit. Uh, and again, why am I being greedy? Why do I need to put uh, four units or five units on a minus 125, minus 130 that we could potentially be getting on Bektik? So I'm going to take Bektik by decision. Uh, I think he's extremely over uh, undervalued here. Um, and I think that everybody should be hopping on that and making sure they jump on that, uh, taking advantage of that line. All right, next up. We got Justin Taffa against Juan Adams. Let's start off real quick with Justin Taffa. Coming into the UFC, only 3-0. and uh, You know, relatively quick fights. Um, and then in the, the Jurgen DeCastro fight, you know, gets completely sloppy, closing a distance distance against Castro and gets clipped by a beautiful counter right uh, by DeCastro. And Castro puts him out. Unfortunately, because that was in the Justin Taffa's neck of the woods too. So that must have been a very unfortunate post-fight celebration for him or celebration, whatever you want to call it. Um, but now he comes into this fight against Juan Adams where I think a lot of people are overvaluing Juan, Juan Adams here. You know, obviously Adams probably has the advantage when it comes to wrestling. Okay, does he have the fight IQ to be able to close the distance intelligently and get that takedown without eating heavy shots from Justin Taffa? And, you know, as poor as Taffa's entry was against Jorgen Castro, I don't think that Juan Adams has the technical capabilities to launch that kind of counter-strike uh, as Jorgen Castro or with that type of sharpness. I don't believe in the guy. You know, he's got to show me a little bit more before I'm like, okay, Watt Adams, you know, he is starting to step into that mold uh, of the potential that he had, you know, coming off that uh, contender series fight against, uh, contender series fight he had against Sean Ted. You know, he's on a two-fight losing streak, lost a decision to Arjun Buller, um, and then lost to that, you know, to Greg Hardy last time around where he just completely choked, you know, had a weird wizard type um, uh, maneuver that he was trying on Greg Hardy. Uh, and then Greg Hardy just reversed it, landed a couple shots and put out Juan Adams. Um, you know, Juan Adams was complaining afterwards. 
completely unjustified. He wasn't defending himself. We completely understand why. Both guys are still relatively green, and let's be honest, I don't know if they really have top 10 potential. Um, and the fact that Juan Adams is minus 245, that's that's a little ridiculous. Let's, let's be real here, Purple. I know, I know that Justin Taffa really got fucked up in his last fight and, and really got put out kind of bad, and people think that Juan Adams is going to be able to, to bring that same type of that power the fact that his technique lacks as much as it does, it's going to be tough for him to actually land on Tafa. And if Tafa's chin is like completely gone, like if it's Chuck Liddell, Chuck Liddell, <laughs> Chuck Liddell level gone, then okay, he'll probably get him. But I think Justin Tafa has the better technical striking, and he might be able to make it a harder night for Juan Adams. Uh, so, 0.5 unit play on Justin Tafa, in my opinion, is not the worst thing in the world. If you're going to give me plus 210 or plus 235 to, to fade Juan Adams here against a technically better striker, maybe Chin not the best. And obviously Juan Adams has the wrestling credentials to, to get this fight to the ground. Will he be able to get the fight to the ground is my question. So I don't believe you will. I think Justin Taffa will knock him out. So I'm going to go Taffa here um, and I'll take him by second round TKO. All right, that brings us to our co-main event. Valentina Shevchenko versus Katlin Chukagin. Again, with these Shevchenko fights, not much to go over. You want to kind of present the challenger's threats and what they're actually able to, to potentially, you know, how they're potentially able to steal this victory and, you know, potentially spring the biggest upset of all time. Let's be honest. If if Caitlin Shigehagian goes out there and fin- or beats Valentina Shevchenko or even worse, finishes Valentina Shevchenko, bigger upset than GSP and... Um, Matt Serum. I'm going to be real. And I think everybody would lose their mind if that actually happens. You know, Valentina Shevchenko, minus 1,100 favorite on five times. Absolutely insane. But I think she is worthy of it. So let's start off with the threats that Caitlin Chigigigan possibly, you know, has to defeat um, Valentina Shevchenko. She moves well. She kicks well. She has pretty good jiu-jitsu. Um, but that's about it, you know. She could stick and move a lot. She could make Valentina Shevchenko throw at error a little bit. But is she going to be able to get that, get away with that for at least three out of five rounds? I don't know. I think on there are at a certain point, Shevchenko is going to be able to counter Chukagin perfectly. You know, I could see her landing a lot of spinning back kicks whenever Chukagin attempts to close the distance with that one-two or, you know, some of the strikes that she's going to be throwing. But... I think that Shevchenko just has too much power. I think once Chukagian feels the power that Shevchenko's throwing in return, uh, is going to be a little bit more hesitant closing the distance as much as she is. I don't see this as being a uh, Shevchenko finish. I think this is more so the recipe of a Shevchenko decision. However, don't know how well Shevchenko might be able to catch Chukagian or if she's able to get her to the ground and possibly use her jiu-jitsu. I think Chukagian has a lot better of a chance on the ground than people are giving her. However, I think that Shevchenko is still better than her in that aspect we haven't seen the most jujitsu from chukagin you know she's mainly been a striker but she has that in her back pocket if she needs it and i think she's going to need everything in this fight to beat shevchenko i think her best path to victory is sticking and moving hitting and not getting hit as much um but even that that's playing with fire again you're fighting a person with such good counter striking what shevchenko was able to do against holly home was beautiful i think that chukagin you know, she doesn't have that same style of striking as Holly Holm, but she still has, uh, she she has a different type of movement. Uh, you know, she's more pitter-patter. Holly Holm likes to throw a little bit more finishing strikes. Um, Chukagian, not so much. Um, 
And she's even said, I'm not willing to really change my style against Shevchenko here. Obviously, girl, do what do what got you to the dance, pretty much. You know, it, it's it's so unfortunate for Shevchenko and the level of competi- competition that she's had to go up against just due to the lack of competition at the 125 division. Uh, you know, it's about time that we see her against Amanda Nunes 3. I think that's the only fight to make for Shevchenko. The only other fight, you know, you could potentially make a case for is... Uh, Scotland's own Joanne Callowood since she has that big fin- big win over Andrea Lee but I highly doubt that's going to happen uh, and then uh, possibly Macy Barber you know we saw her train get stopped by Roxanne Modafari and then she tore her ACL completely she's going to be out another nine months so Shevchenko is going to be scoundering for some fucking challengers after she's, after she's able to dispose of Chukagin so there is MMA gods love to fuck with us. There is a slight possibility that Chukagian is going to be able to squeak out a decision just off of, you know, sticking and moving for three rounds at minimum. Don't see that happening at all. But like my man Cody Saftik said in one of our last Combat Stories episodes, there is the banana peel method. There might be the banana peel theory where Valentina Shevchenko goes out there, steps on her ankle wrong. You know, we get the Michael Chandler, Brent Primus situation. We get a Alan Crowder, Greg Hardy situation. And Chukagin somehow comes away the winner. For that reason alone, I am not willing to bet Shevchenko at minus 1,100. <laughs> give me minus 600. Give me minus 650. After minus 700, I feel like there's the banana peel method that you got to consider. So a minus 1,100, not on my radar anymore. But I'm still taking Val- Valentina Shevchenko to win by decision. And I think she's going to look damn good doing it. Catching Chukagin on the entries, uh, countering beautifully, uh, and just pretty much outpointing her all five rounds. Main event time. John Jones against Dominic Reyes. Let's start off with a challenger here, Dominic Reyes. Coming into this fight 12-0, and you know, was just working IT you fight him for the LFA a couple of years ago, two years ago, makes his debut June of 2017 against Joaquin Christensen and has racked up three, four finishes in six UFC fights. Let me, let me make sure my math is correct there. Four finishes in six UFC fights. The guys that he's gotten finished finishes over, Joaquin Christensen, who was way too old to be fighting in the UFC at the time, Jeremy Kimball, who was average at best, uh, Jared Cannonier, I'll give it to him, but Jared Cannonier is a middleweight. Uh, should have got that OSP finish, let's be honest. I was at, right at the buzzer. That should have been declared a TKO round five, round three, minute five. Don't give a shit. That was a TKO, KO. Uh, super close fight to Volkan Ozdemir. A lot of people saying Volkan Ozdemir on that fight. Tony, Tony not being one of them, but he always keeps talking about that. And then Chris Weidman, the ghost of Chris Weidman, trying to rejuvenate his career at 205 pounds. Comes up short, doesn't last more than 1 minute and 40, 43 seconds against a heavy-hitting, up-and-comer, and hungry Dominic Reyes. That's about it, though. You know, Dominic Reyes, he's going to have a lot of issues establishing that that head kick that he's so well-known for. You know, I think it was the Jordan Powell fight. Uh, he finished that guy in less than a minute, but that was that famous, uh, you know, he throws uh, he throws a strike. Jordan Powell waves his finger or something or, or nods his head uh, or shakes his head like that, didn't do anything, and then fucking Dominic Reyes lands a beautiful head kick and absolutely stiffs him. He's not going to be able to do that against John Jones, let's be honest. I think that the dexterity and and 
variety of strikes that John Jones is able to throw with his legs, especially his left leg kick, it's going to be given Dominic Reyes issues. It's going to be given Reyes issues in terms of setting up his strikes, in terms of managing the distance. And one thing that John does as well, does well is manage his distance. And people cannot make all the jokes about the fact that he sticks his fingers out and, you know, that's why he's able to keep people away. But with his reach and how far he actually gets and how he moves his head back as well, he's able to maintain that striking distance. And Dominic Reyes is going to be one of the bigger guys he's going up against. Let's let's get the actual statistics in terms of, of metrics. 6'4", 77-inch reach, and we got Jones at 6'4", 84.5-inch reach. So he's still going to be able to have that, that, that wingspan difference here. But I think the kicks are what needs to be uh, worrisome for John Jones. We did see earlier in the Anthony Smith fight where Anthony Smith landed a pretty clean uh, head kick on John Jones. Uh, but John Jones rolled with it, was able to push Anthony Smith against the cage uh, and then engage in the clinch. And, you know, if he was hurt, I don't think he was completely hurt, but it did look like it landed pretty flush. Um, you know, he was able to get his wits back about him and then get back into the center of the cage and start doing his thing once again. With Dominic Reyes, I think he holds a lot of more a lot more power in his legs than Anthony Smith. So it could be some issues for John Jones there. But that's where I think it stops. I think that John Jones has the obvious edge in wrestling. I think he's going to have the obvious edge in jiu-jitsu. He has the obvious edge in maintaining distance and establishing his presence as well. With his leg kicks, it's, you know, second to none. Just keeping people thinking, uh, the way he's throwing it from like those those side kicks to the to the shin, to the to the thigh, to the calf kicks, to the, oh, whoop, here we go, right to the head, a head kick, his teeps to the body second to none it just allows him to disrupt his opponent's uh rhythm and then he's able to you know pull off whatever he wants to pull off whether it's a spinning elbow or or uh you know just a main one two down the middle he's so good at that it's it's insane how good he is at that so i think that's where it's going to be issues for dominic reyes he's just not going to be able to get comfortable enough to get off those strikes and i think in the first round is obviously when it's going to be most uh dangerous for john jones i think after that john jones is going to be able to have established his game and have dominic reyes on the back foot and he's just going to have to worry about any type of hail marys but that's where it ends and if you're giving me minus 420 on john jones to potentially parlay with andrea lee if you guys remember that from earlier in the episode i'm cool with that the last time i checked i think it was minus 160 to parlay john jones and andrea lee at sport bet minus 161 i'm happy with that i'm gonna wait and see i think there might be some people that bite on dominic reyes and and look too much into john jones losing or losing to tiago santos last time around and having closer fights and not finishing people and you know being on the downswing of his career let people throw out those narratives. Let people buy into the knockout of Dominic Reyes, uh, knocking out uh, Chris Weidman last time around. Uh, and let's see if we can get get a better on John Jones. You know, we might even get a better number on Andrea Lee as well, but not 100% sure about that. But I am looking at John Jones and Andrea Lee parlayed as my lock of the night play or the under two and a half of the Lingo and Zalal fight. Those are two plays I'm looking at as my lock of the night play. I may end up playing both of them, but not both as lock of the night plays. We'll see about that. But I love this John Jones and Andrea Lee parlay. You know, 
You can't bank on a fighter getting, you know, whose only chance is to knock a guy out, especially when you're talking about the opposition being the GOAT, being John Jones. We haven't seen a chink in his game. You know, say again, I don't give a shit. I'm throwing that Tiago Santos fight out the window. That was just such a weird performance from John Jones. And I think, and I was telling Tony as well, I may have said it on the Combat Stories episode as well that we did most recently, but the, the John Jones that we heard in his press conference against Dominic Reyes different it seemed like he had something to prove and we've seen his twitter lash outs recently as well where he's talking about dominic reyes being a can crusher and how he doesn't belong on his level and all that stuff i think we're going to go see a john jones that like the john jones that we see in rematches as of late you know the the daniel cormier two fight he goes out there and finishes him in the third round the alexander gustafson fight i think that was the third round or fourth round you know he just goes in with this mentality to 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 finish and set a statement and i think that's what he's going to do against dominic reyes just to show everybody all right i'm ready he's already talked about going to heavyweight maybe that's going to be his next fight too maybe he goes out there dominates dominic and then says all right heavyweight division get your asses ready the goat's coming up and I think that's going to be uh, kind of this fight for him. There's nobody really left. You know, Alexander Rakic was the closest. And then he gets stifled by Volkan Uzdemir, unfortunately. You know, that's going to be a road bump. So maybe Uzdemir comes back, fights two more fights. And then John Jones comes back down and, you know, defends the 205 belt. I think that we'll see John Jones go up and down uh, and be active with it as well. He says he wants to fight for another 10 years. Fucking let him do it. Let him hold heavyweight and light heavyweight belt, which is something that I think is very much capable of doing, considering the landscape that we have. Um, but in terms of this fight, this fight is all his. No bones about it. I'm not giving Dominic Reyes that much shot, and I'm more than willing to uh, parlay Jones at the minus 407 line that he's currently at, but I'm going to wait it out and see if we get anything better. That's it. That's the lock cast for UFC 247. Um... Yeah, haven't made any official plays yet, but as you guys can tell, I'm you guys can tell what I'm heavily leaning here. Um, may change throughout the week. I usually put out a, a final thoughts video on Friday evening, right after the weigh-ins, uh, and but I normally just release that to my Patreon members. So make sure you guys check that out. I'm gonna link it below. Uh, make sure you guys check out the tape index as well. I had the commercial at the beginning of this episode. Um, make sure you guys check that shit out. That's it. I'm done. It's a long night. It's 11 p.m. I'm probably going to get this out as soon as I can. Uh, But uh, thanks for watching. Appreciate you guys as always. And we'll see you guys next week. Eight straight weeks. We're going to be hammering away, guys. Let's get the money this weekend.